Hello there, and welcome to a Dungeons and Dragons role-playing podcast. My name is Stacy, and I'm the DM. So come with me and my good friend Mick. Join us in our weekly discussion about our campaign. From a Listen to our successes and failures while trying to flex our role-playing muscle. The funny bits, the dumb bits, and the all-round good time that comes with this great activity. The cast is Nazmar Warlock, named Elbrum, whose pixie-familiar silhouette can't remember the name of his patron. An elf-marked wizard named Calidus Magnus Lunior, who misses his kobold slave. An old cleric, Oraki, who often drops her backpack. And the human paladin, Kaelin Vendris, who has crossed the Middle Sea from Caplion. The campaign setting is the Southlands from Kobold Press. We are using the D&D 5e rule set, and we game using the Fantasy Ground Virtual Tabletop. So that's the cast, that's the campaign. Now good people, welcome to the show. In this episode, the Grey Company takes a deep breath as the last of the undead falls. Now is the time to ponder the words of Hatay. The necromancer, Rackham, and his scantily clad lady, Nagwa, find something in the room's sarcophagus. Calidus and Elbrum shout warning as Oraki reaches to grab the withered hand. A sense of vindication washes over Calidus. This time, he didn't trip the trap. Kalen squeaks. Uh, uh, guys, guys, a little help here. I, I hurt. I hurt a lot. His chest blackens further. Kobal has the last laugh. The sanctum fills with sand. Is this a challenge for our heroes? Walking through ever-deepening sand? Will they leave the wounded behind? What should one think when you finish raiding a tomb and outside find the archaeological company is assembled en masse? Take a moment. Lay on a marble slab. Look into the eyes of a priestess and stare in horror as she carves runes into your chest. Do you want to know more? Then sit back, stay tuned, and enjoy. Hello, good people of the interwebs. I'm back with for another chat with my friend Mick. So, shall we start the recording? Let's do it. Okay. So, last week was an interest, or last session, sorry, a couple days ago. That was an interesting one. That was an interesting one because at the like at the end, uh, you guys, had, I know we had a, a little t- talk about it before, but at the end of the day, you guys completely caught me off guard, and this is one of those things where it comes down to session preparation and stuff like this. And when the players go past session preparation, what do you do? And for me, we were two and a half hours in, and I called it. I I, I killed the session because at that point, I was just like, I didn't want to make your next activity to be arbitrary because I was not prepared at all for it. I wanted it to have some meaning. I guess, start out. You guys are in a pyramid. I I just want to, at this point, say this was a a really a a total player kill because we completely demolished the DM by going to places that were so far away from anything he could have conceived it wasn't funny. And, of course, this is the ultimate goal of all players. No. Is, to push the, is to push the DM so far out of his comfort push zone. Push the envelope. Yeah, we pushed the envelope, it was, which was... And we didn't actually know until it ended. We, we thought we were still being managed, and it wasn't actually until, no. until you actually no. sub- submitted that we realized that we'd step way out of bounds. Um, it's not but, that you step out of bounds. <laughs> it's just that at the end of the day, am I prepared? And that's what it came yeah. down to, was that I, I wasn't prepared for where you guys went to. No. But yeah, I mean, dialing back, we were... This was still in the central chamber of yep. the pyramid. The, the session previous, you guys had met the the fae named Hate, and then she left, and you guys fought the the skeletons and the mummy, who were just peons left. And with with Hate gone, they they came in attack. So that was done. It was the aftermath. Session started with you guys are standing there, and then I had Rackham 
run for the sarcophagus to go and see what was inside. And uh, inside was the rod of Kobal. And so he took that. And you guys all, what did you guys do? Um, you all, you all, all of you went around and, and watched. He's got the rod, but we were standing around the hand. Yes, you guys were all standing around the hand. That's and right. So th- you were at the hand of glory. And it was, uh, no, you, Elbram, and Kalen happened to be around the hand. And so you guys were sitting there looking at it and having a conversation. And then Oraki just came <laughs> in and grabbed it. <laughs> to cries of, don't touch the yeah. hand. To cries of, don't touch the hand. And I was just like, uh, well. No, she's grabbed it. So, well, give me a strength check. Oh, and Sorry. she rolled amazingly well. So she certainly grabbed it. And Kal- Kalidus was like, wait, wait, I want to try to stop. Well, give me your dexterity check. No, nope, yeah, that, that wasn't there. So, so she you, got the hand. And, and of course, this time, it wasn't Calidus that triggered the trap. It was no, Iraqi. for once in my life, it wasn't me. It was yeah. Iraqi. So uh, she triggered the trap, and then the chamber started filling with sand, and, and you guys all started to head out. As it always does. Yeah, well, yes. here's the interesting thing, too. I mean, Kalen is a, a DM, too, but he's clearly still new to Fantasy Grounds because... One of the things that we talked about in session zero was that we use the variant encumbrance rule in this. And within Fantasy Grounds, what you do is you, you set up an effect so that if you are over-encumbered, so you have your, your encumbrance rate and then you have a heavy encumbrance rate. And if your total with your, your coinage and your inventory is higher than the encumbered rate, you add the encumbered condition, which puts a minus 10 to it. Mm. So he didn't do that. So I was sitting there and I quickly looked and I was like, oh, wait a minute, you are encumbered. So no, 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 you're fleeing there is not as fast. And the, the thing is, once the trap is triggered, it takes just a few rounds for that to really fill up. Yeah. So there's clearly tons of sand coming into this chamber very quickly. And with his encumbered condition, he suddenly moved a lot slower and he was on the other side. But I mean, so were you. You yeah. managed to get out. Yeah, close to getting out. Again, we were that that encumbered condition makes has such an impact. Yeah, particularly in something where it's filling with sand. So, yep. on the second move, you, you you lose ten for the first encumbered. The yep. second move, you lose another ten. Then you lose another ten as the sand gets higher. Yep. It's an exponential yep. thing that just that drags you down. Yeah, and I mean the thing is, and, too- and I, I I started I think five feet in front of him. And still made it out. Yeah, you made it out. And then when you got your first 60 foot, then the next round, it was now difficult terrain. So you, your your movement was now half of what it used yeah. to be. So, But you still managed to get out. And of course, Rackham and Nagua, they were just at the sarcophagus. So once the trap was triggered, he shouted profanities and then he, he just ran. Mm. And Nagua uh, followed after him. But here's the other thing too. So after the session was done, I thought... I haven't done this in a while, so I thought I'd just quickly go over your guys' character sheets. I haven't realized, and I'm going to have to get or- call Oraki on this. She left her backpack. Either she left it on the ship or she left it inside your guys' apartment. And so basically she's got, I'm, I'm going to call her because where is she holding her stuff? So she's got like at least an armful of gear that she's carrying without oh, a backpack. So she's not configured herself to well she to she clearly her. says that she'd left her backpack at the apartment drawer on the on the ship so she's got it uh-huh. unequipped so it's not yeah. there so she's got all this stuff and i'm but just like wait a minute arms. you're carrying that in your arms yeah. so yeah. it's interesting that i mean just as a little aside the way that you can actually set up your character in fantasy ground so that you can do things like drop your backpack yep which leaves you unencumbered draw a circle on the yep. on, on the map that's where my backpack is Yep. And then come back and get it later if you survive. Yeah. I mean, and and that's to me that's the logical thing to do is like if you've got cl- a climbing kit, like the, your guys's original destination was to head to this pool of blood, and I'm sitting there thinking you went on a sand ship, and you're heading out there, and you know that it, it was a ways away, at least a few days of of a trip this was going to be. Why would you leave your backpack, yeah, in the apartment? So, anyways, I, I'm going to talk to her about it in the next session. It will be that. Oh my God, I didn't realize I'd done Yeah, that. so this is one of those things that, you know, when you have a tool like Fantasy Grounds that can actually manage that stuff for you so you don't actually have to yeah. do it, then again, the whole point is so that you can focus more on the story. But the tiny bit of, of shop keep, shopkeeping that you do, which is usually meaning things like, yes, unequip your backpack and therefore all the equipment in your backpack is also automatically unequipped. 
and draw a circle on the map saying I dropped it there or or if you did put it in your the apartment you put that that indent in that says I left it at my apartment which is what he did but you got to remember then how are you going to carry anything if you haven't got it right and I have I have I mean and again as, as as you said in the middle of the game when you asked the question are you encumbered yep how can I be carrying as much stuff as I'm carrying and the answer is that <laughs> I'm not I just have an indent that says it's in the apartment, and I have this mountain of rubbish just sitting in yeah. the apartment. Well, but you still got a mountain of rubbish that you're carrying as well that weighs next to nothing. Yes, everything I'm carrying. Like your, your inventory is, is, is just like, like a huge this. inventory of things that <laughs> weigh one pound. Yeah, yeah, yeah nothing heavy. The, the, and the funny thing too is, like, I was looking at Oraki, and I was just like, oh god, right. When you guys were in the rainbow room, and you had to leave, of course, Saber stayed behind and rusted out, so there was nobody to carry Oraki's armor so she couldn't swim in her armor so she left it behind so she she doesn't actually have any armor her armor class is 10 so she walked oh. into that fight with the skeletons not wearing armor and these are things as a dm i really need to remember between sessions because i'm just thinking if i am a minimal intelligence creature and i'm seeing a whole bunch of stuff that's hard to hit and one that's not wearing armor you you, you got to go for the one without the armor yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm continually looking. I mean, this is the thing too. If you're going to play the game, you've got to yeah. look at what your armor class and what you're carrying. What's on your action sheet is, yep. is, is this is what you, what you can do. Yep. And being a, and again, a lot of this comes back to the ability to use Fantasy Ground. And, yep. and as we've spoken about before, Fantasy Ground College will teach you how to use Fantasy Ground. Yep. If you, if you do that, then you'll be very, very efficient at what you do. You'll know what spells you've got. You'll know, know what weapons you've got. You'll know the stuff that you're carrying that you don't understand because you haven't attuned to it. And I have to admit, I've, I've seen a number of players come from Fantasy Ground College, and I do like that the college makes a point of teaching them how to sort their inventory because, yeah. I mean, it really ought to matter. The other day, I was listening to one of the other podcasts that I just, I, I just released and in that one, it was we were discussing how when you guys went and met, God, what was her name? Elaine from the Griffin's Armor. Yes. And yes, the yes. elves made a deal with her to basically, she'd sponsor them if they wore, she, she would give them a really good deal on resizing the studded leather armor that they, they'd found. Mm. She wanted to put her brand on the, the breast part of the armor and have them market for her and she'd sponsor she also wanted you guys to badmouth one of her competitors. Yes, but you, that wasn't going to happen. You guys didn't let that happen. But still, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, wait a minute. I remember you guys ended up going to that shop and bought the Glamour Weave and the Dark Weave. Yep. But Elbram went back to the Griffin and picked up the studded leather armor, even though the, the, the two elves no longer needed it. And he's not actually wearing it. He's left that at the apartment, too, because I was sitting there thinking, hmm, maybe that's something I can use at some point to be able to say, you know, Someone asks you a question about the emblem that's on your armor, but no, he's not actually yeah. wearing it. No. But th that's the thing, too, is you can't wear armor as, as a wizard because you're not proficient in it unless yeah. somehow you figure a way to find a proficiency. But Elbrum can, but he's got the glamour weave, but you could wear, like studded leather and stuff like that, you could wear on top of regular clothes. Mm. But I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he doesn't do that because the glamour weave allows you to get... A plus one on deception. Yeah. But you can't put armor over top of it and then still get that benefit. So yeah. uh, that's probably why he's doing that. But anyways, the point is, is there's some neat things that you can do with inventory. Neither here nor there. But ultimately it meant that Kalen was encumbered. Yeah. And so he wasn't getting out that quickly. And again, bottom, end of the day, know if you're encumbered. Know what you're carrying. Yes. Know what your armor class is. If you're going to drop things, make sure you pick them up again and make sure that everyone knows where they are. Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing that I was remembering too because I, I remember I used to tease you that at one point in my session notes, I was taking, I had a little part saying dropped items. Yeah. And I really need to template this stuff because between sessions, I forget to put that, re-add that in as, as notes for the next session because, yeah, that, that's one of the things. Like I've monitored very closely where the Vril Stone is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so have I. Yeah. Oh, and I had a good time there when you guys were looking out there and as the chamber was filling up and then I teased you and it's like, oh, and you forgot the Vril Stone was sitting on the side of the sarcophagus <laughs> for a second. Hang on there. a minute. <laughs> I'm going to go back. Yes, and, and I must say at that point in time, I, 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 I took that one hook, line and sinker. It was like, oh no, the person that played me last week left the Vril Stone in the wrong place. Yep. 
Yeah. But no, that was okay. No, but as no. we ran out of, and again, we'll go back to, we, we were running out of the, running out of this room that's filling with sand. We have the hand. Yep. Not that it's going to be of any value to us. So you've got the withered hand and you guys get out and... Not all of us get out. Kaylin is floundering. At one point, right, Oraki stays where she is and heads over to try to help Kaylin get out. And I was sitting there thinking, was Oraki's help going to make you move faster? No. When the sand is filling up, it's still going to be difficult terrain and then even it becomes even more difficult as it fills up more. But what it does do is that uh, when you need to do the strength checks to go, then he's at least going to assist you to take, do that. Yeah, you. I would think that the assistance would take one level of encumbrance off him. If if she's if she's specifically going to to take his gear off, or or, or just to pull him forward, just to pull him forward, and your mage hand pulling him through the sand. Okay, so and and that's exactly what happened. You mage handed it up, and you and then of course your virile stone did good by you. Uh, basically, took his backpack weight off of him. So it was enough that he was no longer getting the encumbered penalty. So even though they were now moving at a third of the normal rate, they, they did manage Which to get it. Which was because out. of the sand. Yeah. There was no encumbrance for white. Yeah. yeah. So they didn't suffer the encumbrance penalty at that point. So you guys got out. Rakam and Nagua are, are long gone. They they ran back up to the top. You guys find them. They're, they're packing up their campsite on the on the one floor. And, and of course, Kalen is cursed from the last session. Yeah. He got punched in the chest by the mummy. And unfortunately, he suffered the curse of it. Every 10 minutes, he's got to do a poison roll. And so you guys, I, I thought that was good that you guys were, were going to try to help him out immediately, even though he was new to the party. Although I did, I, I freely <laughs> I, admit, I, 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 I did say, not expect you guys to do any of what there, you There was do. a point at which I was thinking, I wonder if this is the point where you can invoke that he's a newbie, we don't care. <laughs> if he survives this session, well, then that's okay. Yeah. The sort of the World War Two, you know, you're the you're the reserve come up from the from the ranks, and we've been fighting for the last six months. You're not one of us now, so we're not going to bond with you. Yeah, but I think that yeah, what we did, and we did what we, I, I think that the ethical side of us said that's what we would do. Uh, we went from any aims that we had as a group to keeping him alive. Yep, and and that sort of became fairly obvious. He's going to take poison damage damage every ten minutes. We have to do whatever we can yep. to get him cured and get him cured in a hurry. And so, and so you guys went up to the f entrance of the pyramid and then you started talking about, okay, when, once we step out, what the hell are we going to do? Yeah, and it was going to be invoke the power again of Lady Alasha. It was my Lord Elbrum will we'll deal with these issues Yep. and we will either get cured or get out. But you guys did something funny with the withered hand because you were sitting there thinking, what are we bringing, what are we bringing? And so you guys had debated about, like you'd found a crap ton of gems and you'd found a scarab, a glowing scarab, and uh, you had the withered hand. Mm. So I know you guys talked briefly about the scarab. What, what did you guys say you were going to do with the scarab? We were just going to give it to Kylan and say that's something he had before. Oh, that's right. Because that's right. Your guys' logic was Kalen didn't have a contract and therefore let's him carry everything because he's not locked down to the I contract. I must say that... that, that that log that logic failed miserably with me. Oh because well, I was sitting my, there. My logic is that like the guy we know is already corrupt. He's already crooked. He's cleaning yep. out the place. Yep. He's doing it for his own benefit. He doesn't care about the contract. And arguing the yes. contract with him is going to go nowhere. Yeah, yeah. And and the thing is too is like I'm just even then I'm just like, you guys are saying that give it to Kalen who's not supposed to be in the pyramid, and. Yeah. He's somehow going to be allowed to carry this because he hasn't signed the contract. It's just the, the logic did, did no. escaped me. But I was like, okay. And then you guys had this ridiculously crazy thing to do with the withered hand. And I'm sitting just there. Oh, well, I mean, that's, that's your plan. We'll roll for it. And your deception check was really, really high. And then Elbrum's like, well, and I'm going to use prestigitation to, to kind of make it look like it melds into his wrist so it doesn't look like it's... Yeah. separate at all and i was just like okay that's not bad your your role on making that happen to make the the quality of that job was really crappy but okay <laughs> and i was totally ready based on your guys's roles to have hazi be like wow dude your hand is like jesus what the hell but <laughs> when you did meet hazi and i did bring that up and i i will admit too yeah this one i used that as a distraction because you guys kept mailing Hazi 
on this other stuff that he didn't want to talk about. Because you, the first thing you guys come back and you're like, the hell's up with your knolls? And I was just like, okay, change the topic, change the topic. I don't <laughs> want to talk about this. Nope. Well, as Hazzy, I was trying to change the topic and redirect it because he didn't want to answer those questions. And you guys had some really good roles there on, on persuasion yeah. and things like this that I was... I, that was my every intention was basically to as Hazi, he was going to strip you guys of all of your gear yep. and basically take what he liked. That was my intention walking into that ceremony or, or walking into the meeting. So you guys left the pyramid. Actually, given that that was your intention, we would have ended up with a dead player because there was no way he was going to be cured. Yeah, that, that, that's a, that would, could have been. Yes, that could have been very likely. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I guess this comes down to the GM preparation because the question is, when I was setting up the session, I was thinking about, you guys are coming from the pyramid, what are you going to do? When I was thinking about that and prepping up, I wasn't thinking about that he was poisoned. I, I, I thought about it at the very beginning when you guys were leaving, and my thought was, okay, they'll long rest and try to keep him alive, and then one of them will take the remove curse, one of the clerics, and then you guys would come out, and then when you guys come out, then what is Hazi going to do? And then I, I just stop thinking about him because I just figured, yeah, that's what they're going to do. And so my, my whole thinking about what Hazi was, all right, so Hazi is who Hazi is. He's got these blah, blah, blah things that he needs to do, which I, I still not saying, but he clearly is not, I mean, he's going to want the treasure. And from what you've learned in the pyramid, I mean, that should be the consensus that you guys come to. And there is an issue with your logic there. Mm. And those of you that were paying attention will notice that our DM has metagamed because he said you will level up and gain an attribute. Ah, uh, well... And so we get so, to that... So yes. now, we, now we have the question yeah. of where if you know what you're going to get after a long rest, True. can you use it to your advantage? And up until now, I've actually never... It wasn't until this particular moment I've ever even contemplated this. Yeah. And then it was the knowing that this would solve the problem yeah. and assuming that and, you would survive the long rest. And that's where I was thinking too, yeah. because long rest means leveling up. And with the leveling up, it's not just you get to the level the up, problem. but as clerics and as wizards, you are allowed to, in the morning, choose which new spells that yeah. you want to prepare for the day. So I was thinking that. So yes, as a GM, I was metagaming on your guys' behalf. Yeah. And that, that was... Yeah. I, I but can't it, it, do that. That it, really. But it does. It does raise the interesting point that regardless of what level you are, if you start out playing as a level one character and you know what you're going to get at level two, yep. Then, and you know when you're going to get level two, yep. Then you can actually work it to your advantage. Well, and it, and, and that, one of the things that's not metagaming though. In fact, because like as a hero, you know that by accomplishing things or beating bad guys or surviving yep. encounters that you gain experience. And with experience, you gain more power. Mm. You know that as a character living in this world, so you know that you will achieve new things. So there is that. So it then becomes the timing issue. And that is that if you know yes. that you are going to get leveled up at the end of a session, yeah, then you can work on that. And one of the things that you actually did to us, which I thought was quite good, is in the early stages of the game, Leveling up was not some automatic thing that just got thrown away. Yeah, you, you have didn't, the long rest. Our, our leveling up process took quite a while in the early stages. Yep. And I know that one of the reasons that the thieves were a bit upset was they weren't leveling up fast enough. Yep. I, I guess it raises the, raises the question, should DMs then turn around and say, this is when you will level up, this is what you can expect to happen? Well, I don't think that that's... I think it's something that's earned, and I think it should be something that's completely... And, the, and that's the thing. Like I, I've stated optional. that in Session Zero, I clearly stated that leveling is not... Fighting monsters is not going to just do it. It yeah. is a milestone. You need to accomplish a milestone. Mm. And so in this, in this case, you guys had finished dealing with the central chamber of this pyramid. That was a milestone. So yeah. that was worth a level. Yeah. At the end, when you sit up and think about it, we've had, oh, 20-some-odd sessions, maybe 30-odd sessions. Mm. But and, it hasn't actually and been you a got, lot of days. It's not, yeah, it's not, it's not that many days, but that's close to what we've played as these characters, and you guys are only now just reaching level 5. Yeah. No, I think that's fine. The players that are here certainly aren't complaining about the slowness of it. Yes, the elves did complain, but I think everybody else in general seems to be happy. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think anyone thinks the game is slow. In fact, 
there was a comment made while you were off grabbing yourself a cup of tea about trying to actually wind up the thousands of loose ends that were there and trying, from our point of view, to get more on top of the game. And, and I did say at that point in time that, that you don't have to tie up the loose ends. You'll either end up with lots and lots of loose ends and they will become irrelevant, so they'll drop off the list, yep. or they will become relevant. And in our particular situation, we are climbing our way up the ladder of, I don't know, the, the hierarchy within the town. Yep. And really, at the end of the day, the, if we get to meet the people that are part of the, the hierarchy, then we can probably say that we've been successful. But the only way that's going to happen is that if we accomplish the feats that we need to on the way. Yeah, so, you have to, you've got to earn renown in order to be actually to, to meet yeah. the, the, the people who, the decision mm. makers who yeah. are the NPCs. But still, the thing is, too, is like with regard to the loose ends, is that I try to throw things at you that all lead to a specific conclusion. And, and I, I would hope that after you've accomplished certain things. But I think the one thing, when you guys originally found the Grimalkan Eye, at Hakan's house, I had hoped that the finding of that and finding Rahid in the basement, that that wrapped up a lot of the loose ends that were sitting there that you thought you would need to unravel. But by getting just by the nature of getting to that point and solving the riddle behind the Grimalkan eye, some of those threads all of a sudden just closed by themselves. Yeah, I think that one of them is, I always go back to the beggar, who is a, a character. A character becomes a loose, a, a loose thread because if we know that they exist but we haven't met them, then that's a thread that hasn't been tied up. And I guess in the, in that particular case, the beggar existed. We never met the beggar. We never interacted with the beggar. You don't know if that thread's tied up because you don't know what was there. Yep. So anyone that we hear of that we haven't interacted with actually becomes this hanging, yeah, hanging but you guys thread have, at the end of it. There's been like a few things though too, like like when you guys went to the mortuary. You went to the mortuary because you were finding out about the uh, the body the of Karima's friend mm. who had the location of the Growling Sanctuary. Yeah. And so you eventually solved that, but there were still some, there's still loose threads there because you haven't finished that one. And mm. there's some loose threads that tie back to Abdul Haq, who is mm. the supposed leader of the Dogs of Bastet. Yeah. So, I mean, there are certain things that, yes, you just haven't closed off. And you just had to move off in other directions because as characters you recognize that this is really complicated and we need to gain more experience in order to deal with it properly. And I think that the, the, and the, the, I think the, the point that I made when, during this conversation was that the next thing you come to will be the, the point where you make a decision. And, and this particular episode, we have, we're standing there talking to Hazi. It was uh, a good conversation too. And we eventually made it onto the boat. Although, I, I have to say... And I, I, this was some role playing that you were doing, and you were coming off as like very standoffish. And so eventually, Hazi's like, he's pissed, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm not talking to you anymore, Callus. Yeah. <laughs> I can't talk to you. you. You're just making me angry." <laughs> and so he Calidus, refused. He I mean, Callus was pushing him hard about the yeah. fact that, and I think, and it started when Hazi said that he'd notified Lady Alashra. Yeah, he and sent and he Ka sent a, a letter to Lady Alasha yeah. to let them know that you guys entered the temple. And Kalidas sort of looks at that and goes, "That's like he may or may not be bluffing. We've got no yeah. way of knowing, but we're going to call the bluff." Yeah, and say, "Great, when's she going to be here?" And that was the beginning of it, the escalation of yeah. Well, we and have he, a better he was contact just like, with Lady Alasha than you do. He's just like, from his point of view, he's just like, I, I, "Why would she be coming here?" I sent a report telling her that you entered the pyramid. I'm not asking for her to come. It's just a report. Yeah. So right. he, he was just like, to, from my point of view, playing Hazi, he was like, you're threatening me with Lady Alasha? Why are you threatening me with Lady Alasha? I didn't ask her to come here. So oh, he was... We, we had already at this point called him on the fact that we yeah. knew he was ripping the place off. Um, yeah, and, and he didn't so, like that, and he tried to change the subject. Yeah. And, and that's at, at one point when I was trying to sit there, I was like, change the subject, change the subject. I was like, oh, your withered hand. What's up with that? Yeah, that's and then he pulls it off. <laughs> He's like, here... And, and uh, of course, Hazi is like, oh, what's this? And he goes to grab it. And you guys are like, wait, 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 no. And then Elbram was in there and went into this big spiel about Lady Alashra and the pallet court. And yeah, I had you guys do a number of persuasion checks. Elbram, when he was rolling his persuasions, damn, he was rolling good. 
I mean, they were all plus 17. And I was just like, yeah. Wah. So I was struggling. I was just like, okay, so you guys are doing a damn good job of authenticating that you're from the pallid court. And so he's just like, I, I think from Hazi's point I mean, of view, he's I, now believing that he might be in trouble here. And he yeah. knows who, what he, he's done. He is a representative of the GFA. He's there legitimately. He's done all the paperwork. And yet you guys are threatening him with Lady Alastra. So he's sitting there. He's like, all right, Lugo, you go with them. The thing about this is that even without the roles, you've got to look at it from his point of view and say, can you confidently keep pursuing this? Given that we know the Knowles were in there, that they had an arrangement with you, we've told you about that. We've confronted you with a whole lot of stuff that we would only know if we'd taken down the Knowles that are inside, that you are dodgy. And there would be a point at which you would either have us killed or you would just go, oh my God, let them go and I'll just run away and hide somewhere. Well, and, and this is the thing, like I was really, really scrambling on that one with your guys' conversation stuff because you were confronting him on it and I didn't, ex- again, I didn't expect you to start confront. I thought you would very subtly do it, but you were blatant in his face. Yeah. How would he react to this? Because he still feels that you guys are from Lady Alasher and from the Pilot Court. You've got the big sand ship there. Their yeah. emblem is there. But, yeah. you know, he's also scratching his head because he's like, who the hell is Kalen? And that's the withered hand. That's one of the objects of power. So he's just like, well, I can't let this go. But, and again, we have the trappings of, of court and we are starting to build a reputation. Yep. And but we, he doesn't know that. I mean, he, he doesn't yes. know about any of your reputation. No. All he knows is what you guys have managed to deceive him about. Yeah. And you deceived him well on but getting at, into at the, the pyramid. At the end of the day turning around and saying to someone in his situation that we don't care if we live or die because the person you'll answer to is going to be Lady Alashra. Yeah. That is an incredibly powerful thing to be able to say. Yeah. And we can say that because of what it is that we've done. And while we may not have met these people, we are definitely climbing up the ranks. Yeah. And we do know that if we die, then people like Mehmet and Lady Alashra and Ahit all of these people are going to go, hang on a minute, what happened to these guys? Where yep. do they go? Yep. And if you're the person that's killed us, yep. then you have to think twice about will you kill yep. us or won't you? Yep. And it's going to come down to, it's not necessarily going to come down to whether you even believe that we're telling the truth. Yep. It's going to come down to what are the possible repercussions that I'll face if I kill them? Well, and, and the thing is too, is like I'm trying to play Hazzy from Hazzy's point of view, knowing what I know mm. and, and how he would interact with you guys and now, of course, you've got Kalen there as well. And it's now close to 20 minutes because I had Kalen roll poison check once while you yeah. guys were just before you left the pyramid. And then I had him as the conversation was going on was a second yeah. roll. So th- I had him roll that. And of course, there was a reaction to it, a physical reaction to the poison on his part. So then Hazi sees this. So this becomes... It's even know, more pressure on Hazi because yeah. yeah, if this guy dies yeah. on your watch... But at, at the same time, with? he's just like... From from me as Hazi, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, yes, this person is sick. Okay, he's got a curse. All right, understand. But do I really care? You guys have seemed to have hooked up with him, but he wasn't part of the gr- your guys' original group. So yeah. Hazi's struggling on, Yeah, I know. He gets, what do I do? He, he gets torn with the situation of look at the guy that's dying, look at the people that he's with, and look at the big sign on the ship that says it's Lady yeah. Alashra, yeah. and go, oh my God, where do I go? Yeah. It, it, it's a, and that's why he decided it is a, Lugo needs to go with you yeah. guys. And you guys tried to say no, but at that point, to convince him to not have one of his people, you needed to roll really, really high, and it wasn't that. It so. actually, it actually wasn't that hard to. While that conversation was going on, my immediate response when he said take Lugo with you was, yeah, absolutely. This is money in the bank for us because from our point of view. If we've got Lugo with us and we go back to Lady Alashra's and he doesn't escape on the way back, yep. then he is going to end up standing inside. But why would he escape? I mean, he's, well, he's he, an authentic representative of the GFA. Yeah, we don't know that, though. As far as we're concerned, yeah. Lugo and Hazi are in cahoots. Although the two of them were seen having a heated discussion as we came out. Yeah. So there is this, maybe Lugo doesn't know everything that's going on. Maybe he knows a little bit about what's going on. Maybe he suspects what's going on. For those of you who are not here, 
can't see facial expressions. GM's face is deadpan. Absolutely he's not, deadpan. He's not going to give away not, anything. No, and I don't expect you to. Oh, and, and it doesn't matter what he gives away in these sessions because I'll just play it as it happens anyway. Yep. So we, 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 I suspect, my, my feel is from what the description you gave as we came out the door, is that Lugo suspects that Hazy is crooked. And when Lugo comes back to the pallet court, from our point of view, we can't lose. We hand him over to the pallet court. If he's dodgy, they'll figure it out and he'll die. Hazy will die. Yep. If, they, if he's not dodgy, then his suspicions will go to the pallet court. And then Lugo becomes an ally of us yep. because we've called Hazy on what he's done. Yep. And, and we could be given the, the job of taking Lugo back to the pyramids and having him take over Hazy's job on the way to the... Yep. To the the Red Sea as we go, so all of those things are possible. Yep. But separating the two of them and taking someone back is almost like taking a hostage back. And the other thing that we haven't figured out in all this is that where does the GFA sit in the hierarchy of the whole town? Do, do they sit well and truly below Lady Alasha? Do they sit below the court because they just seem to be some small subdivision of the town? Well, you, you or, guys, or do they sit quite high? Yeah, you guys. This this is where you know I I've been thinking about this actually in terms of is it a common knowledge thing? Well, he, here's the thing. Historically, what I've been doing is I have been in in certain situations I've been having you guys do a history check and saying you remember yeah. this. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about this over the last couple of days, and I don't think I'm going to do that anymore because this comes down to your immersion in the game and your guys's ability to take notes and recall things. Because, yeah. you know, I've been sitting there watching Matt Mercer and stuff like this, and damn, Matt Mercer is a phenomenal dungeon master. Like, the, the amount of stuff where the players go off and how he still manages to focus and engage them, and he never has them roll a history check to remember, they have got to remember from their notes. Mm. So I've been thinking that's right, because, in fact, the question you have about the GFA, you should already know the answer based on what you guys learned when you first came to the encampment. I didn't think they got mentioned. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Did it? Golden Falcon Antiquities was, was mentioned. Yeah. So the Council of Sand had authorized them to be there, to take control of that site. There was rumors about the curse of Anuasir yeah. and stuff like this. So the Council of Sand, as far as they were concerned, okay, if this company is going to cordon off this area and keep the people away... And, and from our point of view, and we, we completely forgot that one, one of the things that I was going to ask in the next session was, what do I know about them and who runs them? So who is the CEO of the, the GFA? Again, it becomes another one of those people that you add to your collection of people that you yeah. know. And from our point of view, right now, knowing we know that Harzi's crooked. We, we know that for a fact. Yep. If we get to the GFA and say, we know your guy is crooked, they then have to figure out what the answer is. And while they may not believe us when we tell them, if they do go and investigate it and do go and find out, then we've gained another ally in the, the CEO of the GFA. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of this whole, you know, and, and again, the CEO of the GFA, having been authorised by the Council of Sand, is one step away from the Council of Sand. It brings us even closer to the people that we need to, to meet, the people that we need to... Because when it does come down to the Toscali invasion, and, and if that... And again, we don't really know, but given that that seems to be what this is going to be all about, if we have to be the ones that have to go out there and defeat the Toscala invasion, we are going to need an army, and we are going to need a lot of power to do this. All things said and done, like when you guys first were in the pyramid and you found the Toscali Hole, mm. you guys had debated about going into that Toscali Hole. I and you guys didn't. I wasn't there. So. Oh, right. You weren't there. I missed this conversation. So there was, there was debate about that and chose not to. And then... When you yeah. when Kalen was found just outside of the Tuscali Hall, again I thought, yeah maybe they're going to go in, maybe they're going to go in, and I still don't. From the players' point of view, I don't understand why you guys haven't gone in because I would have thought, like I know you guys stay on target, stay on target, stay on. No, target. no, but, but we also we also the whole time we we didn't want to go back, we didn't want to stay in the pyramid in the first place mm. because none of us are well. Yeah. So, well, yeah, you've so, used up all your magic and you yeah, guys are we nervous. Have, we have no magic. We have no power. We, we can't fight to save ourselves because we're all intelligent rather than physical. So, so, staying in, so the decision not to go down the hole is clearly one of survival. Well, and here's what I did like. I did like that you guys didn't just say, let's just have a long rest here. I, I like that you guys remembered that 
We said we were, we're only going to be in here for less than a day because the ship is out there waiting for us, and we mm. told the captain that we we're just yeah. going to be here for a day. <laughs> and you gave her like 50 gold to go and make this side trip. So I, I was sitting there, and I, I did do, at one point, I, I did put in Discord a little bit of a, a message mm. uh, from the captain just as a reminder to remind you guys that that was what the original conversation was because the fact is, is you guys have in real life, you've been in this pyramid now for five weeks. And do you actually recall what we've you told for, we the have, captain? We've been in there for five weeks. Yeah. yeah. How did we get to be in there for five weeks? Is there, is, there's a time shift thing going on. You guys are just slow going. <laughs> well, we, our sessions are three hours and we do try to limit them. I do try mm. to limit them to three hours. You guys role play. And you guys have fun. Sorry, when you say in, I thought you meant in game time. Oh, game time. Hell no. You've been in the pyramid for less than a day. Yeah, no, that's right. I I thought there was some strange time shift going on. We just stepped through a time warp. Why was it nighttime? You guys did spend like ridiculous amounts of time digging through the sand in order to find discs for the obelisk. Anyway, we have, we have, going back to where we started, where we were, we've escaped from Hazzy. Yes. He's finally let us go. We've got Lugo. And, and we've leapt back onto the ship. And, and it was like an hour and a half trip to get from uh, Anuasir back to Perbestad. It's not that far. Shanship makes good time. But we I just said had to getting things alive. ready and that, it was two hours. So, I, yeah, I made... He Caitlin rolled. had to roll... What was it? What's t- six or eight, D6, something like that. Something like this. It was, a, yeah, it, was, it was a large number. It was a large number. So, yeah, he was, he, was, he was feeling it. So the ship gets into the harbor... The captain, you know, she's still happy. You guys gave her 50 goals. She doesn't care that you guys got to go back. She knows that you guys are meant to go to the pool of blood. She, she received that yeah. information from the harbor master, which came directly from the pallet court. So she would have done it. She I mean, that's, that's her job. But she rushes back with you guys, and she takes you to the, the temple of Bastet that's in the harbor. You guys go and wake up the priestesses. Yep. And you want to get him healed. And I had fun with that. I had a lot of fun with the healing there. And using the dagger, and he's like, Kayla's like, wait, wait, what are you doing with that dagger? I thought that was strange because there's a priestess waving a dagger over your head. You're going to die. Why would you be concerned? Someone's waving a dagger over you. Yeah, yeah. Either you trust them or you die. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Your yeah. options are are very limited in this thing here, Kayla. Anyway, we've persuaded him that not to be too concerned. Yeah, and I mean, I have fun trying to to mess with it. Just it's not just remove curse and you're fine. I just. You know, I yeah. wanted to make it into something more, so I, I played around with it. And, and since I introduced rune magic, I thought it would be good to just every once in a while throw some of that in there. Mm. We'll talk later about the strange things that have been introduced that I, I wasn't aware of coming. Well, <laughs> see, and here's the thing. like Elbrum had a purpose to being in this, in this pyramid, and he was clearly pissing Kalidus off because Kalidus wanted to leave. Elbrum's like, there's something here I need to resolve. And, Calidus, yeah. So, and we haven't, and now he's saying we're going, but we haven't actually found out what's been resolved. And, and that's a conversation you should have with him. Mm. But so the, here's the thing something, there was a purpose. And whether or not Calidus has achieved that purpose, there needed to be a balance in terms of what happens. I can't have any one character stand above the others. And so part of that purpose was related to, to Elbrum's backstory. And in the meantime, I needed to make sure that the balance was maintained. And so that's why all of a sudden, while you guys were sitting there looking at the hieroglyphic story of the, the birth and rise of power of, of Kobal, that you guys started to see ruins, mm. not, not ruins, runes inside the, the hieroglyphs. And what, what Oraki could see, you guys couldn't see. What you could see, the other guys couldn't see. So each of you were able to see one specific rune. And from that rune, that's that's what's now shown up in your character sheet. So each of you guys have that as an attribute. Basically, yeah, it's it's not it's not really a feat. It's it's basically just like a, an extra low level spell. For example, Kalen at this moment, with it as it is in the, at his current level, he is able to he he knows when is the next sunrise to the mm. minute he will know it. Doesn't seem like much, but as he develops and learns more about that rune, the ability behind it increases. And it's the same with yours. Yours at the moment, if someone, like if a were, if a were-rat bites you, yeah. you have to roll in order to try to, to avoid becoming cursed with lycanthropy. Now you get advantage on that roll. 
and as you as you get stronger that ruin becomes stronger for you as well and what that does for you is more potent Mm. so it's not just that i mean that's just the very fundamental beginning of it it's just something to add a little bit more pizzazz and the idea is is that you take that and with that you can use that as part of of who you are just how you use the real stones it's the same the same principle there's also another module of magic spells that have appeared and that's just the thing like rune magic is cobalt press has a bunch of of things that they do and so i'm always i've got the southlands campaign setting module which and i'm slowly starting to build up the module and add content so you of course you see the maps and the pins on the map some of that stuff comes from the campaign settings when it comes down to the stuff in the city that's just all me randomly creating shit but for example the um recently elbrum he purchased the the campaign setting and he read up a little bit more about lady alashra so now as a player he knows that lady alashra is really old in character as well he knows that as well because of what you've learned in the story and and that's common knowledge so i mean anybody can buy the campaign setting and what you learn in a campaign setting a lot of that you consider as common knowledge i always worried about that but there's been lots of times when we've been in the story like we talk about the loyal dead there's the player module as well and the player module that has any of the new races that you can play mm-hmm. any of the new not new classes but the subclasses that are associated with that like for example there's the cleric of the cat domain and then i started adding some of these extra bits so like for example the deep magic runes is a bunch of stuff that's related to the runes that you guys now can see so i i added that to the player module that stuff you guys can see some of the stuff you guys can't see of course you can but always also, buy we, we we can't access them was one of the comments that you made as well we need to learn something in yeah. order to be able to access them. yeah and 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 that's that's right for example one of the stuff that showed up there now inside the player module is there is void magic sorry that's a school there's a school of void magic now the typical schools are evocation necromancy Oh, shit, I can't remember all the yeah, yeah, conjuration, etc. Yeah. So those are all the normal ones. And so if there is a new magic that fits into those schools, you guys can learn them as long as it's uh, class appropriate. So if it is a an evocation that is just for clerics, then no. But if it's an evocation for wizards, yes, of course you can get it. But the school of void magic, no. To get access to that, you would need to do something in order to figure that uh-huh. out. And do you want to? I mean, you can actually go through and read what the Void Magic stuff does, and a lot of it's powerful, but it comes at a big cost. Mm. So yes, there there is that stuff, and you guys can look at that stuff. And the reality is, is how much time do you have in session to really look at it? And and my hope is that you're paying attention in session <laughs> so you don't miss stuff. But yes, everything that I, that I put up, a lot of that is readily available and can be purchased by, by anybody, of course. And that can give you certainly give people insights and and that's always was my concern is that people would read the modules and they would know the answers yeah. and, and there's always certain things that certain players do that you're always concerned of oh have they read that before and do they know that and it doesn't matter if we're talking about my campaign or if we're talking about in west marches the fact of the matter is is if we're using a module there's a very very good chance there's enough players throughout someone the world that read it. someone has read it yep. do they retain it or not well, I mean, and that's why I try to spin it, but spinning takes work. Yeah. And and when it comes down to finding a new battle map and stuff like that, and, and a battle map that's appropriate, that's a challenge. Mm. That's a big challenge. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do my best. Anyway. So, the priestesses. The priestesses have cured him. He has risen. He is not cursed. Yeah. So that that happened, and then you guys were. Heading off to yeah, you you went and got the harbor master, the pallid court harbor master, and she's taking you back to the pallid court. And yeah, we got to the point where I was just like, oh, what are you guys going to do in the pallid court? And so I, I just, to me, it was important enough that I didn't want to just randomly do stuff there. I wanted to have time to think about at least if you go there, it needs to be memorable from a a story point of view. Yeah, this could end well, it could end badly. There are a a multitude of possibilities. And already we start thinking about what will happen. We haven't actually 
done what we were told to do, so it could end badly because we've disobeyed our heat. It'll just have us flogged. We'll just have the blood sucked out of us. And, and, and conveniently, you guys have arrived at the middle of the night. Yeah. So they'll be having a wonderful time sucking blood out of whoever happens to be there. Um, it could end well because we've uncovered something that's bad that's going on. Lugo could help us or could hinder us. It could go any which way. Yep, exactly right. And, and, and we still need to have a rest to recover. You still need to have your long rest and yeah. to gain your level. But the nice thing is, is that at the end of the day, you have returned to Perbastet and your apartment is, I mean, it's just a few blocks down. So, yeah. I mean, there's always that. Yeah. I have started thinking about, okay, who would you meet? What would it be? And I'm just like, it's only been, you'd only just decided to go to the pyramid the day before. And that was, you were, from from game time the day before, you were you guys are in your apartment with Karima and and Lieutenant Mehmet. Mehmet and making decisions and having discussions on what you guys wanted to do. And I don't know if you remember what they said and what they're intending, but so for me, from a, a consistency point of view, I have to pay attention to that because yeah. you can't just break story and say all of a sudden, oh, Lieutenant Mehmet's there. Well, why is Lieutenant Mehmet going to be yeah. there? What is that going to be? And and as well, it was a few sessions ago, but Elrum did use your last sending stone to contact Nynaeve. Yep. Is there a consequence to that? Those are the things I sit there and think about in terms of just trying to decide what are the encounters. Now that you're out of the pyramid, because when you're in a pyramid, and it's it's when you're in somewhere like the pyramid, it's fairly simple because it's just a matter of, okay, what are the encounters in a pyramid and doing that, not really thinking of, Okay, going back to the city and all the random things that can happen in the city. And there is nothing that's going to stop Lady Alashra from just sucking us back on the ship and being sent back without a rest. So yeah. That's another possibility. You know, you will go back and you will go back now and the guard will take you and you'll get straight on the ship and leave. It's a possibility. And in which case it's like, oh, I'll sleep on the ship. How's that going to go? Not well. Well, the good thing is, is at least you know that Caitlin is not going to die. The other yeah, thing is, he is wearing crimson nib armor. And he's yeah, got crimson nib a, weapons. Yeah, he's got so. shit all for anything else. And I, I have to admit too, like I did look because when you dropped down thirty-five platinum pieces, I was just like, "How the heck did you get thirty-five? And I've been wondering. My as immediate a GM, response was, "I've made it. I've made it." Yeah, you you had. You guys all have. There was a point at one point. I, I can't remember where it was where you guys all had, had like you, Elbrum, and even Oraki had a significant amount of platinum. This is one of those things where as a GM, you just like, God, I, you, you need to stay on top of that stuff. Like when I give you guys money in session, I'm thinking that it's getting recorded in a log. It only gets recorded in a log if I do follow a process. Mm. So if I don't follow that process, it doesn't show up in the log. And then I'm just like, oh, God, what did I do? How did I forget that story element? But one of those things. But anyways, yeah, you, you, you threw down 35 platinum pieces and... Simple as. All right. That's it. That's it for this session. And we will see you guys again in a week. Take it easy. Yep. Hello, good people of the interwebs. This episode is now done, dusted, and finished. I do hope you enjoyed it. And I'll be back in just one week.